0: everyone, this is Prince Shakur, and welcome to this episode of The Creative Hour. I love this episode because it is one of my new and most beloved artist friends. On this episode, we have Natalie Dupeel. Natalie is a cartoonist, writer, and illustrator based in Seattle, Washington. Her cartoons and narrative comics have appeared in The New Yorker, Los Angeles Times, Wired, Playboy, among others, and generally reflect on social issues, sexuality, and current events. Um, I met Natalie at a residency I did this summer, granted that residency ended in metaphorical flames, but we made it out, and I consider Natalie a very beloved friend, Um, and in this episode we talk about journaling when you're young, we talk about Tumblr, um, non-monogamy, and so much more, so please, please, please enjoy this episode, and I will put Natalie's Uh, contact information including her previous comic books and works in the show notes so please 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 check those out and thank you for listening to this episode thank you for listening to this episode of the creative hour music on this episode is by sam holman smith And the Creative Hour can be heard anywhere that you listen to podcasts or on Verge FM, an online DIY radio station in Columbus, Ohio. Writing studio, uh, there's a big, giant window of light behind us shining in. um, And yeah, uh, so I usually start these episodes by going back to the beginning. Um, So what was little Natalie like?
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Um, (laughs) I come from a family of artists. Um, Both my parents are artists. I have been drawing my whole life, Um, but I didn't think I was going to be an artist for a very long time. Um, but I guess that wasn't the question. Little Natalie, it was like precocious as fuck. <laughs> um, and anxious <laughs> and ADD and weird, um, and also drawing and writing all
0: yeah. the time. And where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Seattle. Um, I've been there, most of my life. Um, I bounced around for a while. I went to college in Colorado. Um, I've lived internationally on and off as well in different places. And then I came back and I wasn't intending to stay, but I did. Mm -hmm. So now I'm there and I'm quite happy.
0: Okay. And you mentioned being precocious. Uh, (laughs) you also mentioned that both of your parents, we were talking before and you Mm -hmm. mentioned that both of your parents are artists. Um, so I guess, how did that affect your upbringing? Did that make you want to be an artist? Did it make you kind of want to turn away no. from it? Uh, <laughs> Hell no! Yeah
1: what, what was what was
0: your kind of development into you kind of learning the ways that you like or appreciate art? Um,
1: yeah, um, I only now I'm coming back around to uh, in, enjoying like museums and galleries and or at least it has been more in my adulthood because when I was younger, I was being dragged to quote unquote dragged. <laughs> like not everyone would see it that way. Uh, but my parents were always bringing me to these gallery shows and, and see museum openings and having gallery shows. And I just was like, this is just my life, you know? <laughs> and, um, I think there was, there was a multitude of feeling. There was, people would say, "Oh, are you going to be an artist like your parents when they would see my work?" Um, and I would be like, "No. <laughs> I have seen the struggle. <laughs> I'm not interested. Like I don't want instability in in work, in finance, in whatever. Like I I don't like I thought I was I thought I was going to go into maybe nonprofit work or activism, community organizing and Um, in college I did gender studies. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to art school. Um, but because of having that upbringing, I learned art. I mean, that was what I could come to my parents with. I couldn't necessarily come to them and be like, help me with this essay for college, help me with whatever. Like it was like, I'm working on this painting. What do I need? Um, so it was a very different uh, experience. And then interestingly, both of my grandmothers were writers on both sides. Um, and so in this weird way, like indirectly, I have sort of merged my parents' work and the work of my mm-hmm. grandmothers and I've always been a writer. Yeah. Uh, but I never thought of myself that way, or I didn't for a very long time.
0: Yeah. And, and what did writing look like for you when you were younger?
1: Probably just journaling. I mean, I would, I would like pour myself into school assignments, um, I, like writing. I struggled a lot with, with math and science, um, typical <laughs> for, especially for ADHD girls. And I was not diagnosed, um, uh, with any of my things until later, mental health is coming up a lot for me. So I probably will, will discuss it in this, um, I mean, I already have, but but yeah, I've been I've been thinking a lot about how my earlier life would have been affected if I had been, you know, how how my work would have been affected, really how anything would have been affected if I had known like about any of the things I have going on in my brain. <laughs> um yeah. But yeah, I love to journal and like to some extent I would uh draw as well. And so I think that has become channeled into doing autobiographical comics. Okay. And when I started doing comics, it was very much to like process. Like it would be, it would be like not even always a daily diary comic. Like I have done those, but a thing would happen and I'd be like, I need to fucking make a comic about this. Okay. And um, sometimes it would be like, look at how shitty this friend was. <laughs> and sometimes it was like, I had this poignant experience that I want to like somehow put in, put onto paper. Um, And interestingly, the further that I've gone in comics, the less I feel like I journal intentionally.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, why do you think that is? Do you think, because I guess I was also going to ask what kind of journaler were you? Because I feel Mm. like there's all different kinds of Mm -hmm. ways to journal. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like journaling to me is always seen as a more sustained practice. Mm -hmm. Like you do it every day or every week. But to me, it's like, the process of putting your life into like visualizing it and also doing the writing and the illustrating and the coloring like that to me seems like a much larger process with many different parts. So I guess could you kind of explain?
1: I think because I got lost, Mm -hmm. I think that I got lost in my comics and that I didn't, and still sometimes don't know how to now journal without the image. So Mm -hmm. I don't know how to journal and have it not be a comic. Okay. Um, I do it occasionally, but it's really when I am at a complete loss of having any other outlet or thing or where I just am like, oh, my God, it's four in the morning. There's literally no one I can call. There's nowhere I can go right now. Um, That's when I'll do it. Whereas before, earlier in my life, it was... um, I'm sure it's painful for many of us to go back and read our journals. Yeah, no.
0: Like, I mean, this is a total side note. No, say
1: it. Say it, please. Oh, God. So, I mean,
0: uh, my birth name isn't Prince, but I brought this here as, like, inspiration. Mm-hmm. This is a book I wrote when I was 15. Oh, my God. And I And I have been wanting to, like do a video where I read it and kind of think about why, but this, this, like, this but this is like, but this is like, I mean, this is basically like a journal. <laughs> I did, oh, but it's like, that's I literally wrote that when I was 15 oh, my God. and I, I don't know. I'm looking, I was reading through it earlier and I was like, wow, wow. like we were out here doing things and we were doing them. Yeah. Interesting.
1: In our own. Oh, there's a Natalie character in this book. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Wow. That's oh, so funny. God. It's
0: basically the, twilight but the genders are swapped basically oh. so it's basically fan fiction yes. yeah oh
1: um i personally was never a fan fiction writer but um i like i mean I think there's a few of us here where Tumblr...
0: Oh, yeah. Tumblr
1: oh, was... Uh, Tumblr is still... I will admit this up freely on this podcast. It is still my favorite social media. It is the only social media that I look at when I am like, I can't look at social media. Yeah, like, yeah. because I it's anonymous. It's always been anonymous and it still is anonymous. And... There's shit. There's, like, everything I want. There's, like, discourse. Mm -hmm. There's, like, GIFs from garbage shows that I love, like One Tree Hill. (laughs) There's, like, like (laughs) gay shipping. There's, like, all the stuff that I love. I feel like GIFs
0: really took off on Tumblr. It's true. I feel like that was where... Wow, it's so strange to think about it.
1: It is. And, like, and also, yeah, and I mean, the first... It was really the first place uh, this project I'm working on now, like the initial like baby baby form of it was this daily comic that i did that i posted on tumblr oh, wow. you know years ago and yeah. it was the first time that i'd ever gone to like a comics fest or fair or whatever i went in australia and i'd been journaling this time that i'd been in australia mm-hmm. and putting it in a comic on the internet and like people came up to me and were like i follow your comic oh, like wow. you know and i and i Gosh. was like that was like holy shit like i um in some ways, it was a dream. In other ways, it was so weird because I was like, I was very conscious. I was very, I always have been conscious, but I was very conscious at that time then of, of masking people's identity and figuring out navigating and still am navigating the, like the ethics of memoir. And yeah. like, Why when you write about your life, yeah, we should, because when we, when you write about your life, you're writing about the people around you too. And like, what is your responsibility to them and what's your responsibility f- to tell your own truth and yeah. include them in it yeah i think about that a lot. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i mean i wrote a memoir mm-hmm. you also wrote you've written various you've made yeah. various autobiographical projects mm-hmm. and i don't and maybe this is also like the queer thing mm-hmm. the being <laughs> of so many non-normative identities i mean I don't know. I mean, I I, like, so basically I wrote a memoir and a lot of it is about my trauma coming out to a Jamaican family. Mm -hmm. And also a lot of it is about a lot of the violence that men in my family committed. And some of it does teeter towards like me talking about how my biological father was abusive to my mother. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know. And, And in certain ways, I definitely did think a lot about like what what history is mine, what history fed into me being brought into the world yes what traumas are mine and what aren't mine mm-hmm. and, and and I feel like I always kind of reached a perspective I don't know and maybe this is like and I think it's also based on like community and who you're tied to because I feel like me writing about family is different than me writing about the community that I currently mm-hmm. live in now mm-hmm. and so I guess like in terms of like what you've been questioning is it Like, I mean, is it like covering things like in your community or in your intrapersonal life or is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, the book that I'm working on now centers around grief and I feel like I have been telling myself one narrative (laughs) and in actuality, there's an, there's a hidden book, like in my head, I'm now calling it the hidden book. Mm. And I am like, that's what I now need to write is the book that like this, this project has been in my mind for years. And these, this hidden piece of it has been in my mind for years. And I, some of it is just my own truth and shit. And I say trauma, but I also like, I don't know. I'm, as, I'm wary of white people saying trauma. Like, what is that? You know? I mean, I understand. Yeah. yeah. It's not that it's not real, but yeah. Anyways, I, yeah. So all of this stuff that I've gone through and, and that I did, and it is, I think I've been not telling myself my own whole truth mm-hmm. and, or that I've known it, but I'm like, I can't show this, Yeah. but I have to show it. Yeah. Um, And that totally diverted away from like where the other people come in. But, um, a lot of that revolved around like, what right do I have to like make this story about the loss of someone else, my own story? And is it exploitive of that family's trauma or of that person in my relationship? And like, what, um, what does, looks like and how it affects varying how it affects everyone around them you know yeah um yeah
0: and where are you in the process of this hidden
1: hidden book (laughs) oh my god I'm like literally day one bitch (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I this was um this has been I have feel like I came here with the beginnings of a book that I am um I needed to do the beginnings to get started because I, otherwise I wouldn't start it. Yeah. Um, And now I'm recognizing that it just, I'm a very impatient person. Like I just, and I've always been, I have a feeling you might relate to this where you're good at stuff Mm -hmm. and you do it and it happens and you're good at it. And um, sometimes when you aren't immediately successful, it's very difficult to go back Mm. and and do it again. And, and sometimes I love that piece and I embrace it and I'm like, yeah, like this line was a mistake, but I'm confident in the line. Um, and I'm still okay with that. And I love how it looks and I love how the paints look and whatever. But I, um, because this is the longest project I've ever worked on. I am recognizing that if I, if it is going to be what I need it to be, then I can't, work in the way that I've been working.
0: Mm, okay. Like it, it'll take more time. It's or It's
1: going to take so long.
0: Yeah.
1: Like yeah. graphic novels generally take like a year to two years to draw. Wow.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And that's not even including like all the publishing stuff around it, you know? Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Oh. Um, yeah. And I, I think I'm now okay with that. I turned 30 this year and I feel so at peace with it. Mm-hmm. I feel like, my twenties, there was this rush to be young and successful, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I have achieved degrees of success and I think, and it made just made me think about like, yeah, what is success? Like, what does it mean? What does it look like to, to me? Um, does other people's definition of success mean what I need it to mean for myself?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess on that topic, I do kind of want to get back into what something you mentioned earlier, because mm-hmm. I think for me, it's kind of tied to this, which is what does it mean when you, I mean, one, I, I feel like you had various people in your life at a younger age that were artists mm-hmm. and you mentioned that their experience had colored kind of what you thought about the possibility of becoming an artist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you went to Colorado college. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also mentioned that you never expected to be an artist. Um, and and, and so I, I guess I, I got there. Yeah. That point. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess I want to go into, cause I, in, in certain ways I feel similarly, like in college, I had ideas about what I wanted to do. And then I kind of fell into all of this organizing and, of these deeply political ideas and that kind of shifted things, yeah. but somehow I still ended up where I originally wanted to kind of be. Um, so I guess just like kind of talk to me about college, what that mm-hmm. was like. Um, you studied women and gender studies. Yeah. Um,
1: so I guess just Zenist talk. And gender studies. Yeah. What it's called <laughs> school. Um, yeah. So I, I, I all have a name for it.
0: Yeah. So I guess just talk about like what college was like, what your thoughts or ideas were about yeah. what you wanted to do and, 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 what kind of shifts happened in you there.
1: mmm Um. Yeah, I mean, for me, going into comics, it's all because of Alison Bechdel. (laughs) You know, we had this conversation. I think the first time we talked uh, was not that. Yeah, was me saying like literally because of um, Sexile, Sexilio, and Fun Home. Um, I just those were two queer graphic novels that I read. Um, One was put out uh by the Los Angeles Gay Men's Project, I wanna say is what it's called. I wrote a piece about it earlier in quarantine actually. Um and yeah we can you know put it in the podcast notes. <laughs> um I read that and um I read Fun Home and I was just like I need to do this. Uh and I took a couple of studio arts classes in college because I was interested. You know, I also took like calculus and chemistry because I was interested. Um, and I got varying things out of all of those experiences, (laughs) but gender studies, I mean, I thought that I, you know, was with it when I came to college. I'm sure a lot of people this way that they Mm -hmm. come in, especially when you're white and, you know, like fairly well off. And, um, I grew up with like a lot of like very like pretty wealthy people around me. And so in my view, I was like, I'm not mm-hmm. like that. Like yeah. I'm not wealthy, but then obviously you come into the world and you're like, uh, yeah, you fucking are like, even if you your parents are artists and like, don't yeah. have a job, <laughs> yeah. like consistent yeah. job, like they can do that, you know? And, um, so it was, it wasn't even necessarily like this awakening of, of class privilege, although that was there. Um, it was also coming from Seattle, which is like a majority white city, and you know the way that privilege is talked about or not talked about and in what terms um and so you know, for me, it was like, how can I exist in this world and not do something yeah, yeah. <laughs> which yeah, and um and I my brain is like that was driven by white guilt, but in hindsight, I don't necessarily think it was. I think it was driven by like rage. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was, um, there was a, a period of really intense just working and constantly like canvassing and constantly like I ran like the feminist group on campus and like doing all these things. And then in some ways I sort of like, had activist burnout mm-hmm. <laughs> even before like anything really I mean I was working a lot around the 2012 election okay um and yeah and then I came back to Seattle and I was like what the fuck <laughs> and I'd started like doing these comics and I'd spent a month in Chicago um researching Emma Goldman and then I spent another month there researching kink and sexuality and that was like what I wound up having my thesis be on was just like uh intersections of marginalized identities and kink mm. and um became just totally like sucked into that world um yeah and then comics was just like a way through like initially I thought my thesis was going to be a graphic novel about Emma Goldman, oh, um, which in hindsight, wow. I'm like, LOL ambitious. I had like- <laughs> What were you, what was
0: that maybe going to be?
1: I. <sighs> it's interesting because there actually is a comic, someone did a comic about Emma Goldman. And I don't remember if I saw it and was like, cool, this already exists, so I'm not going to do yeah. it now. Or, um, And I would like to go back and reread it because now it's been years since I have. Um, but yeah, I just, I- I had no idea and still to this day have it's so hard to conceive the time that it takes to do comics and do them well. Yeah. And I think there's totally, you can do them quickly. I've written comics that I like are some of my favorite work in like a day because I'm like, Holy fuck. I this is coming through me right now. And it's all coming out. Yeah. But in reality, like you can have the story and like you have to draw it. You literally have to draw it. It's like a physical (laughs) thing that has to come out of you. And so, um, my demon of impatience, I think. And and also time. I mean, at that time with that specific project, it was like Colorado College runs on a block plan. So okay. you take one class at a time for three and a half weeks. So you still take four courses a semester, but you are like in it. So wow. you are in class okay. for like three and a half hours a day. Then you probably have like at least three and a half hours of reading or whatever. Like you're writing a 10 page essay in a night. Like you are like pushing out work. You have midterms by like week 2, you know?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've never heard of this.
1: It's intense and it I loved it. It's yeah. like really it was really intense. And for me in the way that I worked then and still do work now, like it was amazing, but it left very little room for um hindsight and reflection mm-hmm. on your work because you can write a lot in that time. And if yeah. you're driven and you're immersed in it and you don't have other classes to worry about, you're like, yeah, here I go. I'm in Chicago reading about Emma Goldman and like all of the things that she did and went through. And now I'm gonna write about it. Yeah. <laughs> but then the three weeks is over and you're immediately like, cool, now I'm taking calculus or whatever. <laughs> um, and so it was a really interesting experience and um i think that i still can work that way but i now am like editing is okay but i still have a hard time with it cuz it just wasn't how i intellectually or creatively did a thing
0: yeah yeah and uh one Explain who Emma Goldman is for people that might be listening that don't know who Emma yeah. Goldman is and, uh, and what attracts you to Emma's work?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, work. it's funny. Cause it's been a long time since I have sort of, I don't want to say since I've thought about her, like in a way, um, you know, she's an Eastern European Jewish immigrant labor rights activist. And I, my family is like Eastern European Jewish immigrants, you know? Um, and there were like so many pieces of that uh, because she also lived a very alternate quote unquote alternative lifestyle. <laughs> I like do kind of hate that phrase. Mm-hmm. I so also hate that phrase. It's my life. It doesn't. I know and and like non monogamy has always been a really big part of me. Um, and I was learning that in college, and it was messy and yeah. kind of horrible. Yeah um but but then all of a sudden here's this like incredible activist mm. um who you know has multiple partners and lives with sex workers and like is doing activism and living these life like um yeah for me it was it was in a phase where i was like in activism also figuring out my sexuality also figuring out nomadagamy also reading comics for like the first time. And like Chicago is like, that's Alison Bechdel lived there at the time. Mm. And all these other cartoonists lived there. And like, I just, and I was in the city and I would go to, go to like used bookstores or comic stores and like, just like voraciously read. Like I literally had a stack of comics like wow. this high and I yeah. would just read them. And it, yeah. it and almost didn't matter what they were. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and, and I guess I love what you're talking through right now. Cause I, and I don't know if this can be seen as like, A phase that every artist kind of goes through, especially artists that are trying to figure out being just like not straight, white, Mm
1: -hmm. totally
0: cis, like Mm -hmm. all of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I guess I think about like a time for me where I graduated college. I graduated as an English major, but I thought I was going to maybe become an organizer for a labor union. And then I ended up doing that in Seattle for Mm -hmm. a little bit. But I do remember there was a period of time where I had just learned about Baldwin my senior year. And I I don't know, and like between when I graduated college and maybe like 2017, the beginning of 2017, like I remember reading a lot of Baldwin. I worked in this hotel in Montana for two summers and I basically had a whole floor to myself to clean and I would just listen to all of these political speeches and I would listen to anything that I could find and just like reading all these biographies. And 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 it, it's not like I could have ever articulated it then or known where it was really going to guide me, but I do look at it as like all of those things that I was consuming. I didn't necessarily know it, but it definitely laid a lot of foundation for what I have now. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess I'm like... What do you feel about that process? Mm -hmm. And do you feel like that's something that's easier to do when you're younger Mm -hmm. is sort of voraciously or like searching for inspiration or things like, is that in like an active part of your creative process that you implement or like, where, where is that in, in it for you?
1: Um, it's funny. I have this tendency to speak in like the broad, like, I think all cartoonists have it, but I'm like, I don't know why I'm saying that. Maybe it's true, but but I, I have to speak to my own and, and, um, I'm obsessive (laughs) and I just will, I fall into these, these things of, of interest and, um, it's like when you go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole, but then it's like the life version of that. And you're (laughs) like, now I'm researching all of these things for, or this one thing, I guess, not all the things, but yeah. you you fall into this thing of, um, but,
0: but, but I guess maybe another way to ask it is what did part of you think you were preparing yourself for sure. by intaking all of those
1: things? Yeah. I mean, I think that for, I like, that's a good question. Part of my initial without, Pausing responses. I knew I was going to write a book mm-hmm. and I know I'm going to write a book. I yeah. did write a book, yeah. a shorter one, but I'm going, I have known that this book that I'm going to write will be, it will exist. Yeah. And it does exist. Yeah. Just, it hasn't been physically manifested. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds so, I I like hate the way that I sound because <laughs> I'm like, this is like every writer. And then you're like, Oh God, what if the book never exists? But I do believe it. And I know in my heart, like Um, when I was living the experience that I'm writing about, I knew the whole time. Like, and I was, it was kind of fucked because I don't know if you experience this when you have these intense situations that you know you're going to write about. And you're thinking about in your head as you're living it, how am I going to frame this? Yeah. And it's like kind of fucked because then you're, you think, how is this coloring my experience? Yeah, the way I'm here. And how am I being present? And how am I taking it in? But also we are documentarians. Yeah. And so maybe that just is how, how we are and who we are.
0: Yeah. And, but I, I, I I view my response to that as I kind of view like life experiences and categories. Like, I think mm-hmm. there are always things that based on who you are, if you're an artist, you're naturally going to be like, Oh shit, I'm experiencing this now, but I know I'm definitely going to yeah. write about it later <laughs> or like make art about it. But then there's other things where you're in it so much that you're like, Sometimes you tell yourself, like, I don't know when the fuck I might ever make anything about this or if I will. But
1: sure. And, and so I, I do true, think true. it's kind of
0: categorical in a way, in a way. That's um, real.
1: Well, yeah. and like I was saying with this, with this book now, like the hidden book, like yeah. I didn't, those are pieces I was, I was like, I'm not going to write about these mm. things. Like, and I think this narrative that I've been holding on to for years in my head is, is maybe not actually the narrative that I, needed to write or need yeah. to write. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be other stuff that's a lot uglier.
0: If you wish to support this podcast, which is run by a Black queer artist, it's not easy for us in this day and age. If you wish to support the Creative Hour podcast, please consider donating on a monthly basis to my Patreon. I will also add this link into the show notes. It is patreon.com forward dash P-R-S-H-A-K-U-R. My Patreon will help you get early access to these episodes. It will help you get early access to newsletters about the writing industry and the writing process. And will give you a lot of behind the scenes material that I will definitely be cultivating a lot over the next year for season two of The Creative Hour. Okay, so you went to Colorado College. You...
1: God, I'm so sorry, I go on some No, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's totally
0: fine. But you, so you went to Colorado College. You were living in. You stayed in Chicago. You were studying. Um, take us from there. What what oh, year it. was okay. that? And then where did your art kind of go from there? Um, or your yeah, art slash life? Yeah,
1: yeah, art slash life. I mean, I. It's funny because as we're thinking about this time in Chicago, the first time I went when I was doing this project on Emma Goldman, um, I remember that I had these queer teachers and I like was baby queer, like, so baby. (laughs) And, um, and also coming into like non-monogamy stuff and, um, had not quite realized that that for me was, is an orientation and like is a part of me. Mm. And, um, I, remember having this conversation because I wrote an essay for this literary arts journal at CC and, um, it was during that time. And, and thinking about Emma Goldman kind of sparked like thinking about it in my own life and like this openness. And I remember saying something to my, this queer teacher who I looked up to so much, um, professor, whatever. And, and talking about non-monogamy and like saying how I wished that, it would it was more openly discussed i think like maybe the ethical slut was out at that at that point but it wasn't like the only conception i had was like we're in an open relationship and it was always like problematic straight people who would be like we're in an open relationship so we can like make out and like that was my conception like i really didn't know much else and um and i remember like thinking about it more intently and, and having this conversation and then Basically, my professor was kind of like, yeah, but like if you're fighting for those rights, what's next? Like bestiality. Like oh my gosh. I know. I oh wealthy white gay man. Oh. I know. Horrible. Oh and like I and I was seeing, like I was just like, I'm not gonna get married. Like I knew then. I was like, I'm not gonna get married. Like I have a partner who is a cis man who I like love and it's tumultuous because I'm also going through this whole thing in myself. And and like I like why would I get married when like three people can't get married or like when, when two people who get married are afforded better rights than, and it's it, like, I don't know. They're, I'm like, go, again, going on a total tangent, but it was a formative moment for me in like knowing like this is like, no, like his reaction like hit me. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is a part of me and I have to write about this because if this is a queer person that I was seeing as this yeah, like yeah. figure to me. And these are your thoughts. Like this is something that I
0: have the chance to intervene on
1: and need to embrace and need to like figure out what that's going to look like intentionally in my life. Yeah. And so um I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't even need to go into like what it looks like in my personal life right now. I can say that I live with two partners mm-hmm. and like also have other relationships yeah. and it, is amazing and people constantly and like I've written comics about it and written work and I would say like people on Instagram or people I meet in life are constantly like reaching out. It's very funny. People mm. constantly are like, "Hey, like would it be okay if I actually like can I ask you some questions about uh, non-monogamy?" literally all the time uh, like okay. friend friend acquaintances that I met one time at a party will yeah. like find me on Instagram or like get my number and then be like "Ooh," or like we'll be chatting and then it's like can we actually talk about this because uh, it's so yeah. like to have it done in I mean I know people, some people are familiar with like polyamory but like um, in a way that is I don't know. Successful. I don't want to like knock it, but it's yeah. like, but, but uh, a lot of people yeah. aren't familiar with, with have friends that live it and live it successfully. Yeah. And in a way that feels good. Yeah. And
0: I, I yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And I, and I, and I'm thinking of my sort of coming into it and I remember I dated around in college, but I didn't really have any partners, mm-hmm. but I knew a lot of people that were non-monogamous in like the punk Least DIY intentional scene. Way. Yeah. And, and it's like a lot of people and I'm like, Isn't this, I mean, it's not like I only saw it as that way, but I saw the way people were enacting it and the way it was enacted to me is like, Oh, you're cheating on each other and not communicating and you're calling it. It's like literally don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then um, I graduated, I started traveling and then I met my first partner in France and it was kind of a situation where we were long distance and, Basically, I met him for the first time in 2016. He visited the U.S. in 2017 and we like hung out. But it wasn't until the, the spring of 2018 that we started dating. But it, even then, it wasn't like I think we only really said we were dating after I slept with his friend. Mm. And <laughs> and I told him right away and I was like, I know we're we have not
1: discussed. Boundaries I, yeah, this, yeah. I, I was like, I know we've
0: been doing stuff, but I slept with your friend. I'm just being totally transparent because we haven't like
1: set i don't know what we're
0: doing Mm -hmm. and that was basically a conversation where initially my ex was like oh i'm it's fine i kind of knew it would happen Mm. and then like a half a day later he was like actually i'm really upset but not at you i'm upset at myself yeah because of ideas that i had and i just want to and then we actually actually talked about it
1: constant unlearning like i mean everything is for me though i it's something i i face a lot yeah. I'm a jealous bitch. Oh, really? <laughs> I really am. Ah, and okay. and I it's helped. it has been good for me because I it makes me like a be okay sitting with discomfort. Yeah. And figuring out what I need to because I wouldn't live any other way. Like Do I'd you, be more, more miserable. Yeah. I'd be so miserable if I was monogamous and I know that. Yeah. And like that doesn't mean that non-monogamy is like a free for all and yeah. I think a lot of people hear it and they think that yeah um yeah anyway i don't know if we want to bring this background to art or what but we um, can talk, and talk about this shit all day. no because <laughs> i'm i'm
0: because i guess so many questions are going through my mind and, and i guess like the questions going through my mind are like i definitely grew up thinking like oh one boyfriend and then at some point in college i thought like i don't know if i'm gonna date anyone <laughs> i don't know if anyone's right for me and then, and then i don't know there's so many things were are, are weird about dating and then I remember, and I don't know, and and maybe this is me just trying to, like, unpack my own thoughts, yeah. but I guess I wonder, do you think there are certain kinds of people that have certain qualities that are more, mm-hmm. I guess, suited for non-monogamy? Because I guess I'm thinking of, like, how I viewed myself as a relationship person before I had yeah. relationships and I remember I always kind of viewed myself as like, I'm a romantic and Mm. I'm going to do all these things. And then and then I realized, like in relationships, like I operate based on what the other person offers or what they Mm. offer me. So with my partner, I knew from the very beginning that he was very into me. And is also very French in the way that he communicates things. I don't know, just like in weird ways, where I'm like, we could have talked about this like a week ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. And 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 in that yeah. relationship, I viewed myself as like a little more confident, mm-hmm. a little more willing to hoe around. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And just and, and so in that way, I viewed it as like, oh, I love this person, but I also have all of these other things that I know I I want to or experience. Like, and, and I also know. Yeah. 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 And and so I, I don't know. It's, so, and so it's just interesting to me in the way that that relationship kind of challenged me in the ways that I thought I would operate romantically. Cause I was like, Oh, in this situation, like I'm the one who yeah. is kind of not, not testing the boundaries, but I don't know, willing to go outside of the boundaries of what monogamy mm-hmm. is. But then I also think of like certain friends that like, in some other timeline, I would date them. I'm like, with that friend, I would probably want to be monogamous because I love them so much. I don't know. Sure, sure. And, and so it's I don't know. I, I, it makes me think of like what different people awaken in us and how that speaks to like monogamy or non monogamy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that it is absolutely absurd to expect that one person is going to meet all your needs like literally it's just not true for anyone that's why we have friends and that's why we have family and it's why we have mentors and it's why we have all these other relationships that we have um and i just think about it all in terms of relationship anarchy and mm, and is
0: that a phrase
1: yeah okay. oh hell yeah I look it the, up boo oh, it's perfect. good um it is to me it's like you unbuild the hierarchies of like what Romance and sexuality and friendship and being in relationship, like what all that means. And like, you know, I think that obviously queerness, because you're already quote unquote outside, like lends itself. Well, to that because you're already thinking differently about yeah. your because your if you can't get
0: married legally through the state, anyway. you find other means to share resources, or not only with you your partners like, or your it's community. not
1: even like can't even get married. It's like when you're growing up and you're mm-hmm. like, why, <laughs> like why do I feel like this? You know, yeah. and like you know, like you just are there. You exist in this different space, and um I just. S- Yeah. Like, and you can, and, and like queerness in terms of like you, we have these romantic friendships or intimate friendships. And, um, that doesn't mean that you're like cheating, whatever. Cheating is a weird, um, but like, yeah, you have romantic friendships or you have, um, like platonic friendships. You have platonic friendships that are romantic. You have sexual friendships. You have, like intimate romantic and sexual partnership like there's just like all the different ways or like maybe you have an intimate partner who you are not Mm -hmm. you know like sexual with yeah you know and i think you know for folks who are like aromantic or asexual or whatever like it offers a whole way of like many of us are already partaking in this yeah Way of thinking in just maybe not in an explicit way. Yeah.
0: And I and maybe this is also kind of a turn because I was talking to my friend about this Mm. and I've also been thinking of, I don't know, the notion of queer friendships, Mm. even in terms of like, like I have friends that are straight and I'm queer, but I feel like our friendships are queer just because of the space that we share with each other. Um, wait, I had another thought, but it just totally floated away.
1: (laughs) It literally happens when it comes back. It's okay. Oh
0: my God.
1: Uh, I mean, I think of it as like, a. um, it's another way, like the way that I also think of, of gender (laughs) where it's like we are or with everything. Like we fucking live in this shitty colonized, like white supremacist world. And that is where all this shit comes from. Mm-hmm. It's where monogamy comes from. It's where like our notions of gender come from. Yeah. It's where, and like, when you are breaking all that shit down in your brain about society, like you also best be breaking it down in yeah. your life.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. You got, you got me back to what okay. I was thinking of. And, and, and I guess also in this conversation is like it under if you're living with the mindset that monogamy is like the only way I think that's also tied to or it's typically tied to like this idea of what the the set milestones of your yes. future are. It's like you get a partner, you move in with them, you get married, mm. you have kids, you have a family and blah, blah, blah. You own property. And I, I think about all of the times where like just being queer and young and being uncomfortable dating or feeling used up by dating or sexual experiences. And I look at some of the friendships that I had and those gave me the moments of intimacy mm-hmm. or just like truth or authenticity that I was looking out there. And those moments like modeled to me what I would want in a relationship. So there, I don't know. So it's right. like there, and it's like, I also view it as like, I'm the kind of person where it's like, I fall in friend love with people mm-hmm. and it's, I don't, and it's, it's, and it's like, to me, sometimes I'm like, when when I was with my ex partner, like I definitely really liked him, but they're definitely friends where I'm like, I've definitely fallen more in love with mm-hmm. like friends before. Yeah. And so I think about that. And then I also think about like how, I don't know, being willing to like question the boundaries and look at different things and allow, cause, cause I view, I don't know so many people who are young as seeing a relationship as a portal to like a better version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And, but I've, and and like, I look at my life and in a weird way, it's like in all of the ways that I prepared to like just be single for a long time. Mm -hmm. That also like, I also, part of me was like, I'm also going to take care of myself and live my life. And even if I do meet someone I like, I'm going to have my shit together so I can meet them Health meet them like halfway healthily. And I feel like non-monogamy when there's like communication and boundaries are expressed and there's just like a a common understanding. I feel like that allows the room for people to come together and be what they are together, but also to be powerful and autonomous and and, and sufficient on like an individual level.
1: Absolutely agree. Yeah. I will also, this is like not even... (laughs) I haven't even read the whole book yet, but uh, I just picked up The Jealousy Workbook, which I actually feel mm. that it's a very misleading title because it no. seems like it's like, specifically around like possessive jealousy, right? Yeah. Like that's what we think of. But it is just generally thinking about open like, and non-monogamous relationships and navigating them and like ways in which to do that. And like, literally the beginning of it is like, here are some of the pros and cons of being monogamous. Mm here's some of the pros and cons of being non-monogamous and like they it was it was interesting because um again bringing it back to like gender a little bit it it feels a little like yeah like if you really give some deep thought to being monogamous why you're doing it what it brings out for you that you want that and and also it's fluid nothing is like a forever decision um like and then you choose that like i completely respect that And to me, it feels a little bit like being a cis person. Like if you are thinking about gender critically and you think about what it means to you and like, and you land on like being cis-ish or whatever, you know, whatever you are, like it's not, um, it's not just what the world has given you. It's not what the world has like put on you. It's what you have then brought to yourself and- I feel that in both things. Did I even answer how I got into comics? <laughs> I feel like that I started there. That's uh, where yeah, it started. Where to... Yeah, so like Oh yeah, let's yes, go back there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um uh, welcome to my like ADD brain. <laughs> Chicago, M. Goldman, all the stuff. Um was just like devouring comics. And then I just started making them. And actually Alison Bechtel came to my college, my senior year. And like my advisor, I owe so much to her forever. (laughs) Um, had, I was in a different class. I don't even remember what class I was in Mm -hmm. at the time. And Alison Bechtel was going to speak to her gender studies class, or whatever it was at the time. And, um, she was like, Natalie, you should come. Like, she knew I was into college It was still when I was like, I'm a Goldman-Grabbing doll. Um, and she's like, come, you, sh- you should come sit in on this class. And I did. And I just remember being like, this is truly like the, pr- I just want, I Wanted everything. (laughs) I wanted like to be her. I wanted to be with her. Uh, (laughs) I wanted to like be, have, like make her work. Like I just was like, I want to make comics like you. I just, um, had so much, um, respect yeah all of it. yeah and um, because I was not in the class when she got up to leave the class, I left the class too, uh, and got okay. to be like, Bechtel, will you like talk to me <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you know, like it actually was this this moment where I mean, I had really just started i had just made like some pages of comics like with like markers and a sketchbook and like been doodling them and and kind of doing these like visual journals and yeah. playing around with it um and I like, you know, she, she signed my books and we were sitting at this table and I remembered saying like, I'm actually do, I do comics and, or I'm working on them or, and, and we like, literally we just talked about materials. Like she was mm. like, oh, what do you draw with? Like, it was like, it was just this, um, almost, almost peer to peer yeah. moment. Exactly. And I was like shell shot again, also baby queer. So yeah. like, there's so many things happening <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah. And I, and, um, yeah, I, I told, um, I talked about this earlier in, in, at this residency to somebody, but in that class, when, when she was speaking, I remember I asked, cause there was a Q and a, and I, and I was thinking about memoir and I was like, what do you, like, can you tell me how you write about people who are still alive and like, and Navigate that space, mm-hmm. and I literally was so just enamored and flabbergasted at being in her presence that I don't remember what she said. I'm uh, uh, <laughs> just like, goddamn it! <laughs> I was just so like, like had so much anxiety around even just asking a question yeah. that I'm like,
0: shit. Kudos to you for asking a question I, and going up after. Thank
1: you. Um, Yeah. So, anyways, that so. And then after that, I just continued to to draw them. And I, when I moved back to Seattle, there's there's a there is a comic scene there. There has been a comic scene there for a long time, um, and I've had mixed experiences with it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I started just tabling. Like I made a little zine, mm. started tabling at some zine fairs. And there's Short Run Comics and Arts Festival, which has always been like the big comics event there. Okay. Um, and they do small press stuff too. And
0: what what time of year is that usually?
1: like usually the first weekend of november okay and when i moved back it was only in its like second iteration and um yeah it it yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know how much to go i'm like uh i yeah i so i started making zines and then i started doing it more and i remember like i've always been someone who's down to just reach out to people. Mm-hmm. And I even when I moved back, I remember I emailed Ellen Forney, who wrote marbles um, mm-hmm. about her bipolar. And uh she lives in Seattle. And I just remember being like, should I like, can I come take your class? <laughs> Basically, like how do I do comics, you know? Yeah. And instead of really realizing like you just do them. Like, and that is their history of is that people just do comics. I know there are now many schools that teach them. And like I've taught comics classes to kids and and they exist. But um I think some of my truest work was just before I knew anything and I just did it. And, um, I don't know. So it, it has just kind of been a journey since then. Um, I moved back to Seattle. I kind of, then I had some shit happen. Then I traveled for like a year and that's sort of where this project that I'm working on now is, is happening. Yeah. And, um, after coming back, it has just been a s- slower journey of just being like, "Yeah, this is like what I want to do, and how do yeah. I do it? How yeah. do I make it happen?" Um, and it's been slow, but now it's happening.
0: Yeah. And what advice would you have to younger <laughs> people out there that are listening to this and yeah. they're like, "Wow, I want to do what you're doing." What,
1: yeah. What advice if I would you? I haven't you? thrown you off already. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that. I mean, it's slow. Like what I, with comics specifically is a slow and arduous and torturous process. And that's real. And when I like came into it, I think I had all these big hopes and dreams, like for my career, for my work, Mm -hmm. for lots of things. And those aren't gone, but they are more realistic and they are like, like I've achieved like a lot of shit, but also for me, what I've wanted to achieve hasn't happened yet. And, um, yeah. Advice. I don't know. I think it is such a hard balance of for me, like the, one of the pitfalls in my last year or two, like, so I've been doing only art since 2019. I think that was the last like kind of day job that I worked. And so it's been, A blessing and a curse because you take on work that is paid work or work that isn't your personal, like... Preference, necessarily. Yeah, or like that you even feel super, like, connected to, you know, like... I can be funny and I can make New Yorker like style. Cartoons yeah, I was looking at your, I was like, looking
0: at some of the, there was one where it was like a robot and someone at a bar yeah, and it was yeah, like zero, zero, one, zero, zero. And the other person was like, sorry, I'm not. Yeah, I was like, Oh
1: my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's like my shit, like wordplay forever. And that's like how I even started submitting to the New Yorker because I would do all these wordplay cartoons and people would be like, you need to submit. And uh-huh. like, it was always a thing that I was like, I could never be in the New Yorker. Like, that's not a dream of mine. Even yeah. like, it feels like, this sounds horrible because I do it. And like so many of my peers and amazing cartoonists that I know do it. But I'm like, I, in my head, I was like, this is watered down cartooning. Like my, my passion about cartooning and like the things that I love are like these deep memoirs and, and like nearly all by women, nearly all by people of color, yeah. nearly all by queer people. And I, just want more of that and i and i want to make comics because i want more of that in the world um and also you gotta eat so like you make work that is not maybe what you're like most passionate when you show it you're like you're not like this is real this is my art Mm -hmm. (laughs) i it's it's like this is my art that i make to eat and this is my art that i make to like fill this intense churning black hole of
0: Every, everything. everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. When you were talking about doing freelance journalism and, you know, versus your own work earlier, it, I really, it's so hard to that because mm-hmm. you, it's not necessarily that it's bad either. Like you're still creating something and that's still a privilege in itself. Like it's yeah. not something lots of people get to do or can do or whatever. Um, and also there is, downside mm-hmm. yeah, um, so I think like holding on to your truth is is important, and holding on to like weighing like what what am I really going to get from making this, whatever it is, yeah. you know, yeah. um in paid work and and sometimes it's pe- that is what people want. people want to do commercial work, and they're like, cool, I'm gonna do commercial illustration for my life and like, that's my job. And I can also just make comics on the side and like, maybe I'll have a book come out. And yeah. um, and I think you have to just be open to um, listening to yourself and knowing what is good for you and yeah. what's what's not. And sometimes it takes trial and error. Like sometimes you don't same in relationships, like you don't know what's going to be a boundary until you come right up against that boundary. Yeah. And then you're like, cool. Now I know my boundary. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and I think for me that has been, um, uh, a learning curve in the last, even just in the last year. And I've been doing comics since like 2013.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, uh, and for those out there that want to follow your work or see what you're up to, mm-hmm. where should they go?
1: I post pretty frequently on Instagram. Um, yeah, my it's my name, at Natalie K. Dupial. Okay. Um, do you want me to spell that out?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, spell it out.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, N-A-T-A-L-I-E-K-D-U-P-I-L-L-E. And that's my handle on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and I also have a book out that's about biking and gender and partnership and ability. Um, And you can find that at Radiator Radiator Comics. They distribute it. Um, It's at most bookstores in Seattle and a few comic shops around, but um, you can order it. Yeah. Or you can hit me up directly and I'll send you a signed copy. So, sweet. yeah.
0: Thank you so much for being on the
1: podcast. (laughs) Oh, and the book is called In Spite of Ourselves. Sorry, I I don't know if I said that. I just said I have a book. Um, Thank you so much. This has been lovely. Yeah. Till next time
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the creative hour the creative hour can be found anywhere that you listen to podcasts and please support us online by liking and reviewing this podcast thank you